want you to take a moment and stop to think. How many of our child-rearing woes might actually stem from the fact that our kids don't truly know God and His Word? Or maybe they've lost faith in what they once claimed to believe. Many, and I repeat, many Christian families are losing their kids to the secular way of doing life. And today, we are hoping to bring some clarity to some of the most common sticking points that today's kids are struggling with from scripture and world events. We'll learn how to defend our faith with our friend Alex McFarland and his book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, you've told us that the kids here at Shepherd's Hill Academy start to come alive once they realize that the seemingly strong arguments against God and Scripture might actually have some valid answers that would refute those arguments. Mm-hmm. It's just that the kids, well, they've never heard them before. Uh, yeah, Michelle, that's exactly right. I, I think kids are, are, are like anyone else in the sense that uh, when a person knows deep down that something is right uh, or wrong, uh, yet everywhere you turn, there are p- other people making passionate arguments against what you know to be right or wrong. It's easy to start second-guessing yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, if, if, if enough people yeah. and maybe even our government told you that stealing under $1,000 was perfectly fine, it'd be hard not to take $1,000. It wasn't yours. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's actually happening, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the truth is uh, stealing is wrong. Uh, denying God's existence is also wrong. But it's so much easier for the, the carnal side of who we are to deny God than it is to accept him. Our sin nature just makes it so easy to follow the path of least resistance because sin always has its benefits on the front end. The problem is that we ultimately have to pay the piper when we do and, and many fold. So on today's program, we're going to help parents argue, first of all, for the existence of God mm. and the validity of the Bible. And because Alex has agreed to do a second program with us, uh, next time we'll be arguing that uh, Jesus Christ is exactly who he claims to be, the Word of God in the flesh, the Savior of the world. Because when kids can get to a place where they'll trust and obey the God of Scripture, an entity they can't see, they'll be much more likely to trust and obey their parents, human entities that they can see. It's about pleading the fifth. Honoring the fifth, and I'm not talking about the fifth amendment, I'm talking about the fifth commandment, and mm-hmm. that comes straight out of scripture, which we, you and I both believe is the inspired word of God. That's so true. Well, our guest today is no stranger to us at Licensed to Parent. Alex McFarland has been with us before, and we appreciate his wisdom and his stand for ultimate truth. Alex speaks worldwide and is known as a Christian apologist, author, and evangelist, religion and culture analyst, and also defender of truth. Alex has written 18 books on apologetics and the Christian faith, and he is host of the Alex McFarland Show that can be heard on American Family Radio and other outlets. He and his wife live in North Carolina. Welcome, Alex. 
Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Well, you're always a, a blessing when you come on here on the License to Parent broadcast. We appreciate you being here. Uh, tell us about your book, uh, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and, uh, and, and why it needs to be in, in every home library. Well, well, thanks very much. You know, um, the Lord has allowed me to to write that. That was a dream of mine. You know, um, when I was in college, I was an English major. Uh, the first time I went to college, uh, because uh, for two reasons: one, English was the degree with only one math course. You know, there are three kind of people in the world: those that can do math and those that can't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fall in the latter category. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but I also wanted to be a writer. And when I was in college, I went to a, a Bible study and heard the gospel, became a believer at age 21. And it was always my dream to write. And God has allowed me to write some books. And I, I give God the praise for that. But we we do a couple of radio shows. And the, the first volume of 100 Bible Questions and Answers comes from 10 years of doing a show called Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. And we just, myself and my co-host, Bert Harper, we just kept notebooks of all these questions. And uh, truth be told, I mean, we probably have more than a thousand Bible questions we've fielded on the radio. But we kind of picked for the first book, the top 100 and many of these questions do come from teenagers. Oddly enough, you know, here's two middle-aged guys that have middle schoolers that listen to us on the radio and high schoolers as well. But um, let me tell you how I've seen the questions shift over the last 20 years. Um, actually, 24 years ago, we began to do conferences, big conferences, and that led to a lot of ministry opportunities. But guys, like 20 years ago, Kids were asking, you know, how do I know that the Bible is true? And mm-hmm. is there evidence that Jesus really rose from the dead? And, you know, how do we know that Noah built the ark and Moses led the Exodus? Very evidential questions. Is the Bible historically accurate? But in recent years, the questions are almost never about external evidence for the Bible. It's more questions of fairness, justice, Mm. emotion. You know, if God exists, why is my life a wreck? Right. Mm. You know, if if Christianity is all that, why why did my parents, who were churchgoers, split up and abandon me? Uh, If if God has all the power in the world, uh, I'm hurting, everybody's hurting, why doesn't God fix it? So the questions are really about... These days, largely about uh, fairness and and the the pain I feel, but but it's almost like this. I'm going to say this, guys, and I'll throw it back to you. I think America's youth right now have a crisis of truth and a crisis of identity. Mm. Truth is the question of you know what is real. Is is there anything really really true, and how do I know it? And then identity is. Who am I, and why am I here, and where am I going? And I would say the crisis of identity and and context in this world is very acute, and, and frankly, it's it's almost like there's this existential panic attack going on because kids, honestly, they reach a point in their early teens, maybe even before, and that they, they don't know why in the world they're here, 
and the world and frankly, life itself looks pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Well, it is scary. And my question is, how much of this is the logical outworking of the postmodern thought that was birthed out of the 60s that has now turned things inside out to where we're not really concerned about the objective evidence for God or the objective evidence for truth in general, but now everything is subjective. It's, uh, it's creating narcissists and emotional hemophiliacs. Uh, how much of that is birthed out of what basically my generation, your generation got started in the 60s? Mm. Well, uh, Trace, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, John Lennon of the Beatles saying, Strawberry Fields, nothing is real. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, look, if, if nothing is real and there is no truth and uh, reality is probably this illusion of software running in some matrix and I'm just, uh, I mean, the the word, the technical word is nihilism from the Latin word for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says that God created out of nothing, ex nihilo, God spoke the world into existence. But that, that Latin root... Uh, nihilo, nothing. A lot of kids are very, they, they may not know these terminologies, obviously, but they've got a philosophy of nihilism. It's like, mm. what is life? Nothing. You know, mm. what, what should my purpose be? Um, what should my priorities be? I don't know, just exist. Just, you, you exist if we even do exist till we die. Now, fortunately, fortunately, the biblical worldview has the the answers. Do you know scientists talk about a unified field theory? Uh, maybe we could come up with a a theory that that accurately explains everything. I honestly believe, um, empirically, existentially, and emotionally, the unified field theory is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. because the the gospel, which is historically provable, it is real. But look. Origin, purpose, destiny. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Really, only the biblical worldview has answers that are emotionally satisfying and, in fact, healing, uh, intellectually fulfilling, and empirically verified. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I'm, it may sound simplistic, but the longings of the human heart we, we go down 10,000 dead-end streets and, and come up empty. Yeah. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is what will redeem the individual and ultimately save the culture. You know, we've got a, a proving ground here at Shepherd's Hill Academy uh, that, that gives uh, uh, overwhelming evidence for exactly what you said. When, you know, when, when these kids are here for a year, pardon the way I say this, but we have a captive audience, and it's not that we're beating them over the head with anything. We're simply giving them what the world's not giving them, and that is that is the, the answers. And and just bringing up the subject of basically what you said, we, we call it origin, meaning morality and destiny. Origin, where did I come from? Meaning, why am I here? Morality, how should I then live now that I realize I am here? And destiny, what happens after death? And these kids never, you know, uh, take time uh, away from their their uh, pleasure-to-pleasure uh, pr- uh, pursuits. I mean, they're like monkeys on a vine. They don't turn loose of one pleasure until they have another pleasure in their hands. <laughs> and so they That's don't have time. That's a great word picture. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, that, that gives them zero time to really explore the deeper issues of life. And here at a place like Shepherd's Hill, uh, they do have the time 
uh, to explore those issues and then have to confront them face to face because those are issues that all human beings have to confront at one time or another in their lives, whether they like to or want to. And uh, here, they're not only faced with these issues, but they're they're being challenged with the objectively true answers behind them and the logically congruent answers behind them. And, you know, again, no one forces Jesus or, or the Bible down their throats. It's just that when they're confronted with it, uh, again, they're, they're not stupid. Uh, they're, they're the most knowledgeable generation that, that ever lived. They're, they're intelligent. They don't have wisdom. Uh, no one is guiding them toward, um, you know, doing something uh, productive with the knowledge and intelligence that they have. And that's, that requires wisdom. And, of course, uh, that ultimately comes from uh, the creator of knowledge and, and mm-hmm. intellect. And uh, uh, these kids come to their own conclusions. And if it's not their idea, forget it. It's not going to work. And uh, with, a, mm. with a whole year to, to, uh, to come to their own conclusions... Uh, then uh, that works out pretty well. And that's why we've never had to do an altar call in our chapels, ever, not one. And yet 95% of kids are going to come to the Lord because they're going to track you down with what they've discovered as being true, not just by what they're being taught, by what they're experiencing on a day-by-day basis for an entire year. Mm. That's pretty cool. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Alex McFarland. Alex is the author of 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and we'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a nature-based therapy program for teens in crisis. And today we are helping you, the parent, 
think through how to accurately defend the Word of God and teach it to your kids. Our guest is Alex McFarland. And Alex, before the break, you were talking about a crisis of truth and a crisis of identity with this next generation, with this young generation. I don't know if we're calling them Generation Z. Yep. We see that there's a crisis. We want to help. But what does that look like in terms of especially moms and dads? How are they to go about that? Uh, Great question. Let me say two things that that I really believe that the majority of toxic self-destructive behavior comes from pain. Uh, Maybe Mm. all, um, you know, counterproductive behavior, but whether it's like, you know, this uh, to be morbidly introspective and and depressed and narcissistic, and you know, um, depressive narcissistic behavior can manifest itself in terms of of aggression towards others or just mm-hmm. self harm and self destruction. But then um, to really sedate our wounded psyche, you know, sometimes we immerse ourselves in substance abuse or sexual deviancy. Um, all manner of of things that Jesus Christ wants to deliver us from, but but I truly believe that negative behaviors are a result of emotional pain. Plus, we have this uh, thing to compound it called this, a sin nature. In the Christian worldview, part of the way that the Christian worldview understands humanity is that that we're fallen sinners. We have a predisposition toward that which is evil, but God loves us. And that's part of the good news is, I mean, we're sinners, but we're valuable to God and the Lord loves us. And God desires not only to forgive our sins, but to make us into the best version of ourselves that we could be. But uh, let me go back to, though, uh, what do we do? Uh, For one Mm -hmm. thing, I think the church and individual Christians, we need to have a a long-term view and a short-term view. And before I address those, let, let me just say this. We as Christians have got to believe that we have a calling to impact the culture. And, and I work with a lot of uh, young pastors, and it's been my, my privilege to speak in over 2,000 American churches. I really I love to travel, and virtually every U.S. state I've been to at least a dozen times, and there's like you know, Texas, California, I mean, I've probably spoken in 30 different churches throughout California. Uh, wow. l- let me say this, among younger ministers that are, say, you know, 40 and younger, there's this belief that we do not have a call to impact the culture. Mm-hmm. The gospel is tell people about the love of Jesus, and of course that's true. But like Augustine said 1,600 years ago, St. Augustine by the way, the three A's that everybody needs to know, Aristotle, Augustine, and Aquinas. But mm-hmm. um, Augustine wrote a work that came to be known as City of God. And Augustine said, until we get to the city of God, we have an obligation to the city of man. We really do. And so for one thing, we as Christians, we need to accept the call to be salt and light in the culture. And invariably, that involves the church speaking out about issues, whether it be issues about technology or the parents' responsibility to, you know, shield their kids from Mm -hmm. certain things about the Internet. 
um, speaking out against homosexuality, transgenderism, sexual deviancy. Christians have a responsibility to run for office, and part of the reason that we are in the cultural uh, you know, black hole that we're in is because, and there are a lot of reasons for this I won't go into, but the church has abdicated and forsaken its role of salt and light and leadership in the political realm, the realms of government, the judiciary, education. Mm -hmm. So we've got to accept that we are the custodians of the culture. Mm. We're the the conscience of the culture. And so that's part of the long view. Also part of the long game, if you will, I want to quote one of my favorite authors. He's a twice Pulitzer-nominated sociologist and historian. His name is Dr. Rodney Stark, S-T-A-R-K. And he's at Baylor. He's, he's a Roman Catholic, brilliant Christian historian. He's at Baylor University, a Baptist school. And Stark has written extensively on how the early church turned Rome upside down. Because when you think about it, the, the, the church of the first two centuries was very analogous to the church in the Western world of the 21st century because they were small, they didn't have a lot of cultural influence, and, you know, just like the stats today, uh, the Pew Research Center, September 13 of 2022, last fall, said that, you know, within a decade to two decades, Christians will be the, the minority uh, I mean, it's like a, a flip. You know, when I when I became a Christian, Billy Graham was on TV. Yeah. Jerry Falwell was on the news. James Dobson was on the cover mm-hmm. of Good Housekeeping as Most Admired Man in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, 30 years ago when I became a believer, Christianity was far and away the dominant cultural force. And, and now in 2023, you know, Christianity is a an odd, quirky, diminishing little sub-sub-subset of the culture. Mm-hmm. In, you know, 35 years, we've gone from the, the minority voice in the culture to a very marginalized minority voice. So mm-hmm. what do we do? Well, Rodney Stark says that Christianity turned the world upside down in the first century. Why? And, and Trace and Michelle, let me ask you guys this. If, if somebody posed the question to you, how did Christianity against insurmountable odds, how did Christianity win or prevail? What, what would you guys say? Perseverance in the, in the truth, uh, regardless of, of the cost. Yeah, they believed in the truth. They believed in the resurrection, and they did not shy from that. Amen. That's right. Now, here's what Rodney Stark says, and I, I think it's worth talking about. And this is the, the long game. This is why what, what Shepherd's Hill is doing is so vital, mm-hmm. what you're doing with the radio ministry. But Rodney Stark and, and others, the late D. James Kennedy wrote about this very same thing. James Kennedy's um, research assistant, Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who is still living, is a brilliant scholar. Oh, my goodness, Jerry Newcomb is brilliant. He says this, Chuck Colson, who was a very close personal friend of ours, Chuck Colson would have said this. Dr. Dobson absolutely would say this. Eric Metaxas would concur. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's the thing. 
the early church in the in the first two three centuries prevailed yes because the gospel is true the tomb is empty jesus is alive yes they prevailed because they were willing to die for the faith but what happened was christians built great families in, in, in a culture where life was cheap, nobody mm. wanted a daughter, everybody wanted a son. Uh, and in fact, infant females were often, you know, aborted or uh, infanticide killed or even left to die. Um, elderly people uh, were led into the woods and allowed to die because, look, they were non-producers, very pragmatic, very utilitarian. But Christianity says that every human being is made in the image of God. Therefore, every person has worth and value and dignity. And Christians gave a, an honest day's work. And men married women and stayed true to one woman for one lifetime. And Christians had children and adopted mm -hmm. children. And part of the reason that Christianity not only prevailed, but actually changed the culture such that by 323, Christianity went from being outlawed to being affirmed and the, the majority faith of the Roman Empire and ultimately went to Europe. And here we are. I mean, believe it or not, the 2000 years of Western Civ are not that long of a story. Right. And it takes it to our front doorstep right now today. But Christianity turned the world upside down on the strength of family, morals, mm. and just personal excellence. We can do this again. We can yeah. do it again. We must do it again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the fact that Christians back then weren't afraid to take it on the chin for what was right uh, I, I think we can. We should learn from that. We've become more microcosms of our culture than change agents to it, precisely because we don't want to suffer for the Lord. We, we don't know what that's like in America anymore. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah, and for, let me just say this: we can do this. God is with us. The truth will prevail. And let's make sure that we're mindful of First mm. Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which says that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. So let's, mm -hmm. let's press on for Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, Alex, we are going to have you back next week because we just started scratching the surface about declaring truth. And so thank you so much for your wisdom today. Well, it's an honor to be with you. Bless you. Our guest today on Licensed Apparent has been Alex McFarland. You can connect with Alex at his website, alexmcfarland.com. We've been talking to Alex today about his book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, which you can find at alexmcfarland.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed Apparent. Licensed Apparent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If your teen is in need of help, and there are various reasons why that might be, please contact us through our website, licensedapparent.org, and see how we can assist you. It's a new year, and the Christmas decor is packed away, and the second half of the school year is back in full swing. Thank you for how you have come alongside of us and cheered us on with your prayers and financial gifts. You have helped us start 2023 strong, and we are grateful for you. You are helping to change the next generation. 
Thanks also to our team today for making today possible. Daniel Fazina helps with guest relations. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parents. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.